0: you're listening to the Sojourn Church Carlisle podcast. Over the next three weeks, we will be seeking to further understand our church's value of maturity. Proverbs 4.23 says, guard your heart above all else, for it is the source of life. In this sermon series, we will be walking through Proverbs chapter 4, verses 20 through 27, to help us more fully understand what it means for us as a church to guard our hearts with wisdom. Soldier in Church Carlisle, it's indeed a pleasure to have you with us uh, this last Sunday of 2020. We are thankful to God for seeing us and keeping us by faith for his glory this long. Amen. Would you please st- uh, continue to stand with me for the reading of God's word? Today we'll be looking at Proverbs chapter 4 and we'll be looking at verses 20 through 27. Hear the word of the Lord spoken over us this morning from Solomon in the book of Proverbs. My son, pay attention to my words. Listen closely to my sayings. Don't lose sight of them. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Guard your heart above all else, for it is the source of life. Don't let your mouth speak dishonestly, and don't let your lips talk deviously. Let your eyes look forward. Fix your gaze ahead, straight ahead. Carefully consider the path for your feet, and all your ways will be established. Don't turn to the right or to the left. Keep your feet away from evil. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you you maybe see it? Imagine with me, downtown Louisville on the waterfront. It's a beautiful fall crisp day. There's, there's an artist who's painting a beautiful mural, mural on a sidewalk. And while that artist is painting this mural, there's a man walking down the street. And he accidentally kicks over a bucket full of water. The water flows down the sidewalk and completely ruined the mural that was recently painted on the sidewalk. Whose fault is this? Who's to blame for this disaster? Is no one at fault? Do we blame fate or is this occurrence just happenstance? Is it the man who physically kicked the bucket of water? Is it his fault? Or is it the artist who decided to create their mirror close in, in close proximity to the bucket of water? Maturity, multi-ethnicity, missionality. If you've been with us for any amount of time, these are words that are very familiar to you. For they are foundational to who we are as Sojourn Church Carlisle. Since August, we've been studying our value of multi-ethnicity. We had a, a whole series dedicated towards it. We had two, a woman's book study, Made for More. We had a men's book study, Unlimited Grace. We had a woman's book study led by my wife and Ruth, as well as Robin on the book of Ruth. We had a virtual Bible, a virtual book study on the book, The Color Compromise*. And even most recently, up up until even this morning, we've had a morning Bible study, studying through the book of Job, to help us understand this value of multi-ethnicity. Well, today marks a new journey. As we embark on a new journey, exploring another one of our values, maturity. Will you pray with me? Father, we do love you. We do thank you. We ask, God, as always, that you would take my little and make much of it. Pray that you will grow our affections for Jesus this morning. Lord, we come to you bruised and battered. God, we come to you tired and weary, and we ask that you would fill us up. May your word bring life to us this morning. May Christ be exalted, and may your kingdom be expanded. In Jesus' name, Amen. Now, I'll be the first to admit to you, out of all three of our values, maturity is the hardest one to define. For the value of maturity cannot be ascertained by some quantifiable means of measurement. Maturity is not something that can be measured, but it's something that we're measured by. Maturity is not something you obtain, but it's something that obtains you. Maturity is not something you achieve, but it's something that you pursue. And as we consider the value of maturity, I want us to consider three things this morning. Number one, we have to be reminded that our maturity is always a gift from God. Listen to the words in Ephesians 2, verses 8 through 10. For you are saved by grace through faith, and it is not from yourselves, it is God's Gift, not from works, so no one can boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he prepared ahead of time for us to walk therein. So, number one, our maturity is a gift from God. Number two, our maturity should always and will always be measured by Christ's fullness. Look with me, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 12 through 13. Hear these words from the Apostle Paul. Equipping the saints for the work of the ministry to build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son, growing into maturity with the stature measured by Christ's fullness. So number one, maturity is a gift from God. Number two, maturity is measured by Christ's fullness. And then check out number three, maturity is obtained by obtaining wisdom. In our text today, we enter into a conversation between a father and son. This is actually the seventh of nine appeals that Solomon gives to his son to embrace wisdom as God's greatest treasure. And in this section of Proverbs, Solomon graciously invites his son to love and obtain wisdom. He adamantly teaches his son that wisdom is a person. A person to be loved and a person to follow. Notice with me that wisdom is personified. And in, in Proverbs, it's not just wisdom, it's, it's wisdom that actually has the, the pronoun of she. Notice with me that wisdom is something to be had, it's something to be pursued, and it's something of great value. In other words, wisdom is worth your time, wisdom is worth your attention, and wisdom is worth your effort. In Proverbs, Solomon instructs wisdom to be obtained, much like a person who's trying to pursue a young lady on a date. I don't know about you, but I've tried a couple of times in my youth to pursue certain people and it didn't work out, but I'm thankful that the pursuit of my wife led to marriage. Although the first time she met me, she wasn't interested, but God's grace prevailed, amen? So why does Solomon encourage us to pursue wisdom? There's two reasons that Solomon encourages us to pursue wisdom. The first one is this, and this is very important, so please listen to this first point. We're all sinners by nature and we are naturally attracted to the wrong things of this world. If we can't start there, If we can't admit that we are sinners are sinners in our nature and that we're more attracted to the wrong things in the world than the right things of this world, then this message will mean nothing to you. If we can't have that as a foundation, then wisdom and everything that we talk about right now will be null and void for you this morning. I love how one commentary put it. It says this, we're broken at the heart level and we're bent towards sin. That that means we love things that God hates and we hate things that God loves. So we try to modify the behavior, but it won't bring lasting change because we're only treating the symptoms and not the source. So number one, we're sinners by nature we're attracted to the wrong things in this world. But number two, the reason why Solomon encouraged us to obtain wisdom is because our efforts cannot solve the real issues within our hearts. You know what our solution is? (laughs) You know what um, substitute we try to put for pursuing wisdom? Our, Our only solution in our human efforts is behavior modification. And listen, behavior modification will only lead you in two ways. It will lead you to depression or it will lead you to pride. It will lead to depression when you can't fully address the problems that you're trying to address. when you just can't get it right, you can't just you, you're always seeming to fail, you're always seeming not to measure up. you always seem that you are the oddball in your efforts. That will lead you to depression. But there's another side of the story that Behavior modification can also lead you to pride and arrogance. And this happens when you're able to solve your problems. When you do get the results you want, but you're not using the methods that God has caused you to use them, namely the fruits of the Spirit. It's like getting your children to obey you and everything you say and do, but yet they fear you because they know if they don't obey you, There will be some physical consequences if they don't obey. So here's the problem. Behavior modification treats the surface issues, but it never can dig down to the source. Behavior modification is like mowing dandelions. One of the things that we Uh, One of the great uh, benefits of moving here is that we were able to purchase a home here in Kentucky. And I love my home. It's a spacious home. It's a great home. But one thing that really, I wish the realtor would have told me when I bought my house is that I got a really big yard and a really small lawnmower. We have these things that grow in our yard called dandelions. And you know what those things are. They look pretty. They look beautiful in your yard, but they are so destructive and so dangerous. And behavior modification is like mowing dandelions. You can mow over the dandelions and your lawn will look great for about a day or two. (laughs) But later on, as days progress and days become weeks and weeks become months, the dandelions that you mowed will pop up once again because you did not take the time to address the root issue. You know, as a kid, <laughs> we all have our things that we do. My thing growing up was eating my fingernails. I, I apologize for if that grosses anyone out this morning, but that's what my thing was as, as I grew up. And I remember lighting, lighting, lighting to eat my fingernails and, and, and wanting to bite my fingernails all the time. I still struggle with this even as an adult from time to time. Yes, your pastor's not perfect. <laughs> and as a child, my, my mom, would, 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 would she, she got so fed up with me eating my nails. I remember she took me and she said, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to take nail polish. I'm going to take clear nail polish, and I'm going to paint all your nails. I'm going to paint them so that when you taste and try to bite your nails, you don't taste your nails. You actually taste the nail polish. And guess what? It, it worked for about a couple of days, maybe a couple of months. But soon after, my mom quickly realized that it didn't prevent me from biting them. Because what I learned to do was, even though I hated the taste at first, I started to learn how to let the thing harden, the nail polish harden, and then learn how to peel it off in order to then to resume biting my fingernails. And although my mom painting my fingernails did not prevent me from biting my nails... I simply learned how to peel back the clear coating on the nails in order to find a way to bite my nails. As the old going says, right? As the old, going, as, as the old saying goes, where there's a will, there's a way. <laughs> you see, much like mowing dandelions and much, much like eating fingernails that we paint over to prevent us from chewing them, the real problem is not just the surfacing that we're doing. The real problem is in our hearts. That is the source of the problem. And even if we deal with the sin and foolishness at the heart level, and even if we try to modify our behavior, it'll always find new ways to pop up and to show itself within our life. So here's the question for us this morning. If behavior modification won't work, won't work. And if the real problem is in our hearts, then what's the solution? What's the solution to our problem? Well, according to Proverbs 4, 20 through 27, it reminds us that the heart is the source of every behavior in our life. So so in other words, to really address sin and foolishness, we must first address these issues at the heart level. Hence, we need a new heart. We need a new heart. It's a good reminder for us this morning that we can't please God apart from God. For To, to truly obey God and to truly walk in his wisdom, we need a heart change. We need a change that only God can do at the heart level. I have to apologize to you this morning because I asked you a question at the beginning of the sermon, and I never really truly answered that question. In that analogy that I shared with you earlier, whose fault was it? Who caused the water to be spilled out on on that sidewalk in that analogy? Was it the person who kicked the bucket? Was it the artist who was painting near the bucket? What if I told you that it was actually none of them? <laughs> what if I told you that it was actually a person who wasn't even mentioned in the story at all? Who's to blame for the spill? Who's to blame for the, damage, the damaged mural on the sidewalk? How about the person who filled the bucket and left it there without any supervision? Rethink this story with me. <laughs> A lot of times we think of ourselves as the one who's walking down the sidewalk and, and, and kicking that bucket. But rethink the story with me. The bucket in the story is our hearts. It represents our hearts. It represents the, the center of our beings. And the kick that ensues, that causes it flip over, Represents the pain, the suffering, and the unexplained trials and tribulations within this world. And the water that was spilled out, the water that, that went down the sidewalk and ruined that beautiful mural, mural on the sidewalk. Well, those, things, those are the things that are within our hearts. The worry, the anxious concerns, the fears, the insecurities. See, a lot of times in this life. We focus on what causes us pain and sorrow. In 2020, this was the has been one of the most horrific years to date for many of us. And listen to me, 2020 was hard. But that's not the that's we all can agree on that we can all hear that 2020 has been hard. But this is a question I want you to think about as a church: What has 2020 revealed? in your heart, what is 2020 exposed? What has 2020 revealed? We've all felt the kick. we've all felt it. we've all felt our bucket get kicked, and something has come out of that. Something has come out of that pain, something has come out of that sorrow, something has come out of that out of that loneliness. something has come out of, out of your insecurities. Instead of focusing on the kick, what I want you to think about is what's coming out of my heart as a result of my heart being kicked, bruised, and damaged. That's what Jesus is after. Jesus is going to handle the kick. Don't get me wrong. Jesus is faithful. Amen. This is the last year of 2020. Some of us shouldn't be dead. Not everybody has reached this point of the year. Not everybody is able to wake up and celebrate on, on this Sunday, this last Sunday of the year. But God has provided a way for you to be here. And the question that God has for you today is not just how did 2020 affect you, but what has 2020 revealed about your heart? You know, church family, there are just some things that we can't know about ourselves until we actually go through it. As, as pious and as righteous as we think we are, as holy that we, that we claim to be, there are just, you, you have to go through something. You have to experience some pain. You have to have privileges and you have to have benefits taken away in order to see what's really in here. And the beauty of all this is this. Even though we don't know what's in our hearts, God always does. And when he sees that junk and he sees that mess in our hearts, and yet he still loves us, yet he still pursues us, Yes, he still is gracious to us. And in his grace, he allows these things to happen in our lives so we can see for ourselves, not how much, not how bad we are, but how much he loves us in spite of yourself. Some of us need to be humbled this morning. We think too highly of ourselves. And God allows the exposures of our hearts. <laughs> he allows the failures of our hearts. He allows the insecurities and the fights and the turmoils of our hearts to show us. How much he loves us, how much he cares. So your reaction to 2020 has a source. Your reactions to 2020 have an origin and it's called the heart. That's why Solomon says in verse 23, look with me in verse 23. That's why Solomon says in verse 23, guard your heart above all else. For it is the source of life. I love what the Briam Study Bible puts it. It says, Guard your heart with all diligence, for from it flow springs of life. I love what the New King James Version says. It says this, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. Notice with me that our greatest need is to have a pure heart before God. That's what we need in 2021. That's we don't need a, Listen, a stimulus package will be great if the government can get the act together and get it get it out to us. It'll be great. Coronavirus being eradicated would be wonderful. Having our kids back in school would be phenomenal. But our greatest need in 2021 is not all those things. Our greatest need is to have a pure heart before God. That's why David prayed in Psalm 51.10 after his affair with Bathsheba, he says these words, God, create within me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. That's why Psalm 63.1 says, surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. That's why in Matthew 5.8, Jesus says these words, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. So why is this important? Why why is it important that we have a pure heart before God? Let me give you three reasons, and it's actually from our text this morning. Number one, your head affects your heart. That's found in verses 20 and 22. Number two, your heart is the command center of life. That's found in verse 23. And then lastly, your habits reveal the condition of your heart. That's found in verses 24 through 27. For those who are taking notes, let me repeat. Number one, your head affects your heart. Verses 20 through 22. Number two, your heart is the command center of life. Verse 23. And then lastly, but definitely not least, your habits reveal the condition of your heart. Verses 24 through 27. Look with me to verses 20 to 22. Your head affects your heart. Notice this first saying in verse 20. Notice these words. My son, pay attention to my words. Listen closely To my sayings. Notice the emphasis upon body parts here. That the father appeals to his son by saying, Give your ears to my saying. Then he follows it up and says, Don't let them escape your eyes. And then lastly, he says, Keep them in your heart. It's a good reminder this morning that our eyes and our ears serve as a gateway to our hearts, that your head matters. That your head affects your heart. That that is why it's so important to examine and and reframe the songs that we listen to and the songs that we sing. Because our head affects our heart. That's why it's important that the sermons that we listen to or don't listen to, because our head affects our hearts. That's why it's so important to to be in community group that you that you attend and you show up in community group. Now I'm gonna be honest. 2021 or 2020 was not the best year for community groups. It's hard to be committed to community groups when you can't even com- you can't even be committed to the nor- the regular normalties of life. You're overcommitted, excuse me, to the regular normalties of life. But you know what? I found a community group each and every week. I found a consistent theme. That although everybody bemoans getting on community group in the beginning. And everybody's trying to scamper and get their kids to bed or, or get their house in order. Every, it's, it's, it's always pulling teeth to get to community group. But once you leave community group, everybody's always glad they came. <laughs> They're always glad that they took the time and the effort. They're always glad. Why? Because we've been created for community. Community. These sources have already shaped you and they will continue to do so. The songs that we sing, the sermons that we listen to, the community groups that we attend, the sitcoms that you watch, they're powerful. They're powerful because they they will capture your heart as well as your affections and they get you to believe things either rightly or wrongly about yourself, about this world and even about God himself. I love how Proverbs 23, seven puts it. It says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Listen to the words of Jesus in Luke six forty five. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So let me ask you, looking back into 2020, let me ask you a couple of questions. What has God used to shape your heart? What has God used to shape your heart? Here's another way of asking that question. What is God using? What is God using? almighty, the creator of the universe, using to shape your heart? Where in your life are you being influenced by the voice of folly and foolishness? And where in your life are you receiving words of wisdom and words of encouragement in Christ? One of the ways that I want to see us grow in maturity as a church is I don't want Sunday to be the only place that you receive words of encouragement from Jesus. Most of us, Sunday morning is it. It's it. There's no prayer, there's no devotion, there's no reading the Bible in the week, there's no community groups. Sunday is it. And one ways of us as a church growing into maturity is not just coming here starving for the word and wanting to get all we can get to get through the week, but learning how to take this word and not just eating it all in one time, but taking it and meditating on it all throughout the week. Listen to me. If you have not emphasized community groups, this is a good year to do so. This is a good year to do so. Be present, be active. I, I plead with you on this. Put the kids down early. Allow them to watch their favorite TV show so you can get that time with you and your husband or maybe just you by yourself. Be active and be present in community because what you take into your ears and what you take into your eyes and the words that are spoken over you need to come from the place of God's word and his people. Not Netflix. Not TikTok. These things are good, but they're not God. And we as a church, I want to emphasize this. This is so important for us. So how do we obtain wisdom in our hearts? How do we internalize wisdom in our hearts? Look with me in verse 21. He says, don't lose sight of them. Keep them in your heart. Notice how Solomon, he talks about this internalization of wisdom. And he says, as you internalize wisdom, it will shape you. And it will transform you. Notice with me that walking in wisdom is a byproduct of following after God. You cannot follow after God and not obtain wisdom. Because God is the source and the means of wisdom. He is all that is wise and pure in this world. Listen to Proverbs 3, verse 3, how it says this. It says, never let loyalty and faithfulness leave you. Tie them around your neck. Write them on a tablet of your heart. Then you will find favor and high regard with God and people. Listen to Proverbs 7, 1 through 5. Listen to these words from Solomon to his son. He says, my son, obey my words and treasure my commands. Keep my commands and Live. And guard my instructions as you would the pupil of your eye. Tie them to your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Say to wisdom, you are my sister and call understanding your relative. She will keep you from the forbidden woman, a wayward woman with her flattering tongue. So we learned how we should do it. We do it by keeping God's command. But why? why? Why should we listen to his words and receive them in our hearts? Look with me in verses 20 and 22. It says it right here. For they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Notice that the internalization of wisdom produces life. And not only that, it can keep you away from evil. Listen to me. We always talk about reading God's Word to get to connect it to God. You know the real reason why we read God's Word? We read God's Word so that the Word can keep us. <laughs> Not just so we can keep the Word, the Word can keep you. God's Word, He can keep you in the middle of temptation, in the middle of sorrow, in the middle of loneliness, in the middle of the kicks that you experience in the days and the trials of your life. God's word is valuable because God's word keeps you connected to him. Love how Psalm 119, 9 11 puts it. It says this, how can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping your word. He says, I have sought after you with all my hope, my whole heart. Don't let me wander from your commands. I have treasured your word in my heart so that I may not sin against you. God's word is what keeps us. And the reason why it keeps us is because of verse 23, that your heart is the command center of life. Notice what Solomon says here. He says, guard your heart above us, for it is the source of life. Notice the heart is the key and source to everything in your life. In other words, everything you do flows from your heart. The way you think, the way you talk, the way you act, it flows from our heart. Hearts. Heart is the source of the river of your life. It's the command center, if you will. How many of you have seen the wonderful movie Inside Out? Yeah, I love that movie. I think it's the second time that I've quoted it. That's how much I love it. But as I was thinking about how to share with you our analogy of what it looks like for the command center, I thought of that movie, you know, that movie where uh, all the emotions... What were the emotions? Sorrow and sadness and anger and disgust and joy. Yeah, those five emotions, they all lived in a command center. (laughs) And that command center represented the heart. All of those emotions were all there in that place coming out as life happened. But we do have a problem. <laughs> we have a problem because we have broken and sinful hearts that lead us astray, right? We, we've inherited this heart from Adam. And it's all a good reminder that following the vice that just follow your heart or trust your feel, feelings is myopic advice. <laughs> because our hearts, if they're not grounded, if they're not reborn again in Christ, they will lead us astray. Proverbs twenty and twenty nine says, "How can I keep my heart pure?" Excuse me. How can how can I say I've kept my heart pure? I've been cleansed from my sin. Proverbs twenty two fifteen says, "Foolishness is bound in the heart of a youth; a rod of discipline will separate it from him." Proverbs twenty eight twenty six says, "The one who trusts in himself is a fool, but one who walks in wisdom will be safe." Parents, I call out to you. I call out to you to remind you that every bad behavior that your child does is not just them trying to be bad or, or trying to be mischievous. They've been set up for failure because they have inherited a heart from Adam. And their hearts need to be redeemed by the blood of the lamb like all of our hearts need to. And it's a good reminder, parents, that bad behavior doesn't mean that your child is bad. Just means that their hearts need to be conformed and saved by Jesus. Love what Jesus talks about this in regards to our hearts. He says in Matthew twelve verses thirty through 37, Either the good, the either the the tree will be good and its fruit, or it will be bad. Make the tree bad, and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is known by its fruits. He says, "Brother vipers, how can you say good things when you are evil?" For the mouth speaks from the overflow of the heart. A good person has produced good things from the storeroom of good and an evil person produces evil things from the storeroom of evil. I tell you that on the day of judgment, people will have to account for every careless word they speak. For by your words, you'll be acquitted and by your words, you will be condemned. Why is Jesus so fixated on words? Because he realizes and knows that our Words reveal the condition of our hearts. So how does this work? How, How does this work in our life? Outward gossip, right? We have problem with gossip. Gossip may reveal jealousy, bitterness, or pride in the heart. Maybe you struggle with having an overwhelming desire for things beyond what God has given you. They may reveal having lust in the heart. Maybe you're having financial problems, can't seem to get things in order. Maybe that reveals self-control issues in the heart. Greediness or stinginess may reveal a lack of trust in God's provision. Lying may reveal insecurities in the worship of the approval of others and not in the approval of God alone. See, sin starts in the heart before it manifests itself in our behavior. In church family, I don't want to be depressive when I say this, but it's the truth. you can't fix it. You can't fix your heart. You can't make yourself good before a holy and all-righteous God. It won't happen by behavior modification. It won't happen by you having the right job or having the right salary or having the right house. It won't happen by you marrying the right person. It won't happen by you having enough children. And it won't happen by you attending the right church. It won't happen by you pulling up yourself by your bootstraps. It won't happen by thinking yourself happy through meditation. It won't happen by by serving countless hours at the local food pantry. It won't happen by being nice, kind, and a good person to everyone you meet. Our only hope is in God sending his son, Jesus, to hang on a bloody cross. And God sending his Holy Spirit to have him resurrected from an empty tomb to serve as a remedy for our broken hearts. Love with Psalm fifty-one seventeen 17 says. Since the sacrifice pleasing to God is a broken spirit, God will never turn his face away. He will never despise a broken and humbled heart. You want God to draw closer to you in 2021? Have a broken heart before him. Confess your need for him. Look to him as your only source and your only sustenance. So how does the heart impact one's life? We see that in verses 20 through 27. Your habits reveal your, your, your habits of the heart. Excuse me, your habits reveal the condition of your heart. Look with me. It says, Don't let your mouth speak dishonestly. Don't let your your lips talk deviously. Let your eyes look forward. Fix your gaze ahead. Carefully consider the path of your feet, and all your ways will be established. Don't turn to the right or the left. Keep your feet away from evil. Notice that our mouth reveals the state of our heart. Evil speech reflects an evil heart. Don't get it twisted. Don't get it twisted. Evil speech reflects an evil heart. That's why Solomon tells his son to put away devious speech. Look at verse 24. Don't let your mouth speak dishonestly and don't let your lips talk deviously. Dishonest speech means lying or false assumptions about someone. (laughs) Having beef with somebody, talking bad about them behind their back. Devious speech means that you slander or you rebuke someone without the proper context or content. It's you coming to someone acting like you know everything about them when you really don't know anything. (laughs) I could could preach on that for about two days, so I'm going to stop right there. This is a command for good behavior. But the son, will only be, the son will only be able to obey this command if he guards his heart. And that's what verse 23 is talking about. Guard your heart with all diligence, for from it flows the issues of life. And this is something that is very important for us in our Christian walk. James, the brother of Jesus, he says this in James chapter 3, verses 9 through 12. Listen to these words from James. He says, with the tongue, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in God's likeness or image. Blessing and cursing come out of the same mouth. My brothers and sisters, these things should not be this way. Does a spring sprout forth sweet and bitter water from the same opening? Can a fig tree produce olives, my brothers and sisters, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt water spring. Yield fresh water. So, why is this necessary? (laughs) Why is a new heart necessary for us? Here's the reason. Here's the the thesis. Your speech reveals whether or not Jesus has truly changed your heart. (laughs) I'm going to repeat that again. Your speech reveals whether or not Jesus has truly changed your heart. Hence, if you use your speech to hurt others, if you use your speech to deceive others, if you gossip about others or falsely flatter others, then, then that's an overflow. That comes from an overflow of a sinful heart. Notice guarding one's heart not only is what you keep in, but guarding our hearts is also guarding it against speech that contains elements contrary to what the Lord loves. He says in verse 25, he tells us how to make this happen. He says, Let your eyes look forward, fix your gaze ahead. Here Solomon says to his son, Hey, keep your eyes on the ahead in front of you. What he's saying here is, son, pay attention to where you're going. This is an example of, 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 of a someone who isn't paying attention to where they're going and they'll eventually stumble and fall. <laughs> it's like a baby, a toddler who's just learning to walk. And they get up and they kind of stumble around. And as they're walking, instead of looking forward, you know what the babies like to do? They like to look at you like, mama, daddy, look what I'm doing. (laughs) It's very cute. Until the baby falls down and hurts him or herself because they weren't paying attention to where they're going. In the same way, Solomon encourages us in verse 25. He says, pay attention to where you're going. Your decisions in life, the things that you listen to, the things that you interact with, they matter and they will take you on a path either closer to God or further from him. Verse 26 says, carefully consider the paths of your feet and all your ways will be established. Here Solomon instructs his son to not just to pay attention to where he's going, but he encourages him to continue on the path that leads him towards wisdom. Solomon warns his son not to get distracted and go off the path into the danger zone. (laughs) I don't know if you've ever been been in a danger zone, but I know I have. Have you ever been put into a situation where you made you feel like you were in danger? Have you ever been careless and nonchalant about something to the point that you put yourself in unnecessary danger? I remember I did this to my family. Driving from Detroit, Michigan, back down to Louisville, Kentucky, almost... Oh, now, 10 years ago, driving down I-75 through Ohio, we have special spots that we always go to. We always go to the same gas stations. We always go to the same places. And I remember this one time driving back, I decided to be a little brave. (laughs) Now I I consider it to be ignorant, but back then it was brave. And I decided I wanted to go check out Cincinnati because I'd never really been to the city. So I said, I'm going to bypass the place we go in Dayton, and I'm going to drive to Cincinnati to get gas to check out the city as we were driving towards Cincinnati i was got distracted with the with the traffic that was starting to build up and at the last minute i looked at my gas tank and i noticed i was about 5 to 10 miles from being on e <laughs> and cincinnati was a little far away so i desperately got off when i finally got into the city i desperately got off at the most convenient exit in cincinnati And I immediately became concerned because I was in a foreign neighborhood and surrounded by sights and sounds that caused me to grow angry at myself for not paying attention to where I was headed. I wasn't concerned because the environment was dangerous. I was concerned because I was in an environment that I didn't know very well. And I was there because I got distracted. As I close, I want to talk to the Christian. What do we do if we find ourselves on the wrong path? What if, what if 2020 has kicked our hearts and has put us on a path that we just never thought we would be on? What do we do? How do we go on from the wrong path to the right path as Christians? Look at verse 27 with me. He gives us, gives us an answer here. He says, don't turn to the right or the left. Keep your feet away from evil. This aspect of keeping your feet means to repent. In other words, if you find yourself slipping, if you find yourself slipping into places that you don't want to go, then Solomon's encouragement to his son is to repent and turn away from evil. Notice that although we're not expected to be perfect or live a righteous life apart from Christ, we're expected to persevere in living a life directed towards God's righteousness. I love this because it's a good reminder for us that our obedience is not neutral. As Christians, sometimes we think that, man, when I read the Bible or if I I read my uh, Bible story to my kids that night, it really means nothing in the kingdom of God. When you pursue God, you are pursuing righteousness and you're going away from unrighteousness. You're making a decision to follow him. And as you follow him and as you pursue him, you become more and more like him. Every step matters on the Christian journey. Every step matters. Every decision matters. Every turning away matters. It's not just neutral obedience. When you say yes to God, you're saying no to unrighteousness. You're saying no to bitterness. You're saying no to the insecurities. When you say yes to God, You're saying more than yes. You're also saying no to the kingdom of darkness. Friends, if you're off the path of wisdom, I encourage you to seek the Lord in his holiness. You see, while Proverbs hopes for wisdom, Jesus is the personification of wisdom. That, not behavior modification, is the message of Christianity. Christianity. It's not get yourself better. It's acknowledge your your need for Jesus and he will come near to you. If If you're not a Christian, I encourage you to seek wisdom. I encourage you not to seek wisdom without first seeking Christ as your savior. My friend, if you're here and you're not a Christian, you need to be born again by Jesus and then the spirit of God will empower you to work on your heart issues. Seek Jesus not just wisdom. If you're a Christian, your heart may not be pure before God, but God's heart in Jesus' heart is always pure before God. Repent and stop trying to continually make sacrifices to God that fall short of the person, the work, and the righteousness of Jesus. Be encouraged, saints. Know that Jesus lived a life you couldn't live. He died the death that you should have died and was raised from the dead. He graciously gave his spirit and a new heart to all who believed in him. Therefore, he accounts you righteous before God. He's already begun the work of progressively growing you in his righteousness by the power of his spirit and through the power of his word. Hmm. Ask yourself today, do, do I need a new heart? Do I have a new heart? And what do my struggles reveal about my heart? Then ask Jesus to change you at the heart level. He can, he will, and he has. Why has God called us to to pursue wisdom and forsake folly? He calls us to do this because your head affects your heart. Your heart is the command center of all of life and your habits reveal the condition of your heart. Will you pray with me? Father, we do love you and thank you. We thank you that you've called us to pursue you, to know you. Father, I ask that you would be with us, that you would guide us, you would keep us, that you would restore us, Lord. Father, if we've been withholding anything from you, we ask, Lord, that you would allow us to relinquish our control and surrender to your presence and your power as the one true king and God of the universe. Father, we desire not just wisdom, we desire the one who is wisdom, the personification of wisdom, Jesus. Forgive us, Lord, for trying to make our lives work through behavior modification. Forgive us for trying to deal with things on a surface level and not dealing at the root level. God, you've died so that root issue, root level issues could be solved and could be remedied through the blood of Christ. May that be true for us this year. Be with us, Father, as only you can. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm James A.P. Fields, Jr. Lead Pastor at Sojourn Church Carlisle. Thanks for listening. We're a church that is rooted in the community of South Louisville, and we are seeking to advance the gospel of Christ in South Louisville and beyond. For more sermons, info about our church, and ways you can support our ministry, visit sojournchurch.com backslash carlisle, C-A-R, L-I-S-L-E. God bless.